Hello, my name is Albert and in this episode of Movies, Movies and Movies, I've got reviews for Ant-Man, Amy, Mr. Holmes and Infinitely Polar Bear. I have a Showtime movie streaming recommendation to share and I talk about those Comic-Con trailer leaks. Ant-Man, directed by Peyton Reed, written by Adam McKay, Paul Rudd, screenplay by Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish, starring Paul Rudd, Michael Douglas, Evangeline Lilly, Corey Stoll, and Michael Pena. Most Marvel movies lately have been more about epic stories about saving the Earth, so it's a bit of a refreshing change for a movie like Ant-Man to scale down that saving the Earth story. The story feels like it's still following the tried-and-true plot progression similar to other Marvel movies, but let's just say that there isn't a big giant blue beam of light that shows up in the sky. There's a bit more focus on the characters here, combined with the high scaper aspect of the plot. The movie is well-paced, and I thought just about all the comedic moments were spot-on. What really worked the best here are the characters of Scat Lang, played by Paul Rudd, and Hank Pym, played by Michael Douglas. Both of them were fantastic here. Their chemistry together and all their witty banter were just terrific. If there was one character that, that really stole every scene he was in though, it would be Michael Pena as Lewis, who was given almost nothing but funny scenes to play in. The scenes where Lewis tells a story were just brilliantly done. Going into this movie, I thought the biggest issue might be the ants itself, as I'm not that fond of insects in the first place. Thankfully, the ants were overall actually kinda adorable in their own way. They are portrayed here almost like pets, which is always a good thing. Not everything completely worked out though. There were some plot conveniences to overlook, and several things are expected to be taken at face value with no questions asked, lest it ruins your suspension of disbelief. The overall additions of tying parts of the story to the rest of the Marvel Cinematic Universe can also get distracting, but I'm sure most geeks don't mind all those fan services. As expected, save for the mid-credits scene and the after-credits scene. The premise and concept of Ant-Man, a guy who can shrink down to the size of an ant, may not seem appealing at first, but this movie made it work big time. The key factor here is that this is overall a fun movie. Lots of fun. Go see it. Amy, directed by Asif Kabadia, starring Amy Winehouse, Mitch Winehouse, Blake Filter Civil, and many more. Comprised entirely of archival footage, Amy tells a story about Amy Winehouse that many are familiar with, the talented musical artist that meant a tragic end from her drug addictions. The way this movie lays out the archival footage, which includes never-before-seen material, gives us a more intimate glimpse into her mindset, going through the roller coaster ride of her short life. From the beginning moments where she got her first opportunity to actually make money from doing what she loved and the rise of awareness about her talent, her stardom under the worldwide spotlight, all the way to the destructive end. This is a really well put together film that chronicles her life. However, it's the small moments that the archival footage shows us here that really freshes out Amy as a person and not just as a celebrity. I myself was only familiar with Amy Winehouse in a superficial way, but this movie really made me feel for her so much and only made the tragedy even more heartbreaking. The dynamics between her friends, her family, her love life, her addictions, and her mental state of mind all play out in a very gripping story that I couldn't stop watching. I also appreciated how she constantly shared how much she loves jazz music, her passion for it, and how simply performing it was enough to make her happy, until her celebrity status got in the way of that. I know it made me want to listen to her music again, and her songs are quite good. If you are a fan of Amy Winehouse, you definitely should watch Amy. Even if you were not a fan, the story of a talented individual who couldn't get a grip of the pressures of life is a universal theme that is worth experiencing here. 
Mr. Holmes, directed by Bill Condon, written by Jeffrey Hatcher and Mitch Cullen, starring Ian McKellen, Milo Parker, Laura Linney. When watching a Sherlock Holmes movies, there are three things one expects, an adventurous, exciting mystery to solve, Sherlock showing his amazing skills of deduction, and him being tactless. With Mr. Holmes, two out of those three is actually not bad, so don't let that dissuade you from watching this film. Without that adventurous, exciting mystery element, this film is a methodically paced story that some might find a little slow moving. I suppose it matches the fact that Sherlock Holmes is no longer as active of a character physically at his old age here, and that life has gotten slow as well. Despite Holmes being an old man here, there are fantastic scenes where he still gets to showcase his detective skills. There are many moments in the movie that didn't seem like it needed deducing, but here comes Sherlock Holmes telling us how things played out. The mystery for this story is also rather compelling, as it's Sherlock Holmes trying to recall his memory of his very last case, that convinced him to put himself in exile away from the world he knows. The world's greatest detective is losing his memory, and that's a tragedy that this movie isn't shy of pointing out. Ian McKellen does a fantastic job as this older Sherlock Holmes, and his interactions with his housekeeper, played by Laura Linney, and especially her son Roger, played by Milo Parker, are all just great. All their personalities are well represented here. With the strength of Ian McKellen's work, I found this movie very melancholic, and only heightened the lonely life that Sherlock put himself in. It was hard not to feel something for what has become of this great detective. Mr. Holmes feels like the most personal and most intimate movie about Sherlock Holmes. It was very poignant and very moving, and the way the story built to its conclusion was very, very satisfying. Based on the novel A Slight Trick of the Mind by Mitch Cullen, this adaptation is well worth checking out. Infinitely Polar Bear Directed and written by Maya Forbes, starring Mark Ruffalo, Imogen Wolodarsky, Ashley Ofterhide, and Zoe Zaldana. This movie is actually based on the true life experiences that director-writer Maya Forbes had with her family, and a personal touch is easily felt throughout the film. The story does start out a little slow and a little bit confusing at first, but then this becomes a fascinating and interesting experience of a movie once it gets its groove. There's a lot of ground that this movie covers, from the bipolar nature of the father Cam to the dysfunctional family life. I'm not too familiar with bipolar people, short of what is portrayed on screen, but since this is based from real-life experiences, I'll have to assume that the condition was shown fairly. A lot of the material in this movie has to do with character growth and the chaotic nature of trying to just get by in this world. A family with a wealthy and well-educated lineage, living a poverty-level way of life, rounds up this drama with a rather colorful and interesting backstory. The key theme of this story, though, is about family, and this movie is fantastic on showing what it takes to try and keep a family happily together. Much respect to this family. The cast here is on top of their game and absolutely makes the movie even better than it already is. Mark Ruffalo gives an incredible performance as Cam, from subtle quiet scenes to explosive moments to his mannerisms and the way he interacts with the kids. Ruffalo should be recognized for his amazing work here. Imogen Wolodarsky also does a wonderful job as Amelia, the older daughter who also happens to be a character based on Maya Forbes herself, the director and writer of this movie. Fantastic work from a first-time young actress. Despite the simple but dramatic story, there are tons of humor and incredible scenes throughout. Infinitely Polar Bear isn't exactly a movie for a mass audience, but I think this will really hit home a lot to those who absolutely love their dysfunctional family. For my movie streaming recommendation, I am recommending Boyhood, currently available on Showtime anytime. This is a fantastic, introspective, social commentary, philosophical, slice-of-life look that covers 12 years of a family's experiences. 
The gimmick here is that director-writer Richard Linklater used the same actors in a span of an actual 12 years of filming. We'll literally see them grow on screen. This is a gimmick that worked quite wonderfully. The story itself goes many different directions without a truly consistent plot with some resolutions left hanging. However, the true line here is the team of the people stumbling through life, whether it's a boy growing up through adolescence or his mother trying to take care of the family and herself. Boyhood is arguably one of the best representation of what living is like in this modern age. At near 3 hours long, I got to say that this movie goes by quick. Boyhood, watch it on Showtime anytime. When at the San Diego Comic Con, it's a common policy that attendees are not allowed to record the exclusive videos shown at the event. In this age of technology, it's harder and harder to stop getting those videos leaked out to the public via the internet. Most recently, there were a couple of high-profile footage that were leaked out. The Suicide Squad trailer shown during the Warner Brothers panel, and for the 20th Century Fox panel, it was with X-Men Apocalypse and Deadpool. Geeks and fans were quick to preach that their approval of those leaked trailers. But then, those are the primary target audience for Comic-Con. People even started making rumors that the leaks were intentional and were done for marketing purposes. So this means everybody's happy, right? Not quite. Warner Brothers were quick to announce how upset they were of the Suicide Squad leak. They were bothered enough about the low-quality video of the leak that they felt forced to go ahead and release the full high-definition version online themselves. 20th Century Fox was also displeased with the X-Men Apocalypse and Deadpool leaks. They are still furiously trying to get rid of every link that have those trailers. It's easy to not sympathize with big corporations having this as a problem. But let's try and look at it from their perspective since most people only seem to be talking about it from a consumer's point of view. The Suicide Squad Comic-Con trailer obviously doesn't look like it's made for a wide audience. Comic book geeks will understand what they are seeing, but I have a feeling that it only confuses the regular moviegoer. Short of recognizing the Joker, most laymen are probably asking themselves, what am I watching and why should I see it next year? The X-Men Apocalypse Comic-Con trailer was all over the place in what they could show, that it's hardly close to a finished trailer that's ready for a wide audience. In its current presentation, it simply looks like a cheap movie, and that's not the kind of reaction 20th Century Fox probably wants to hear, especially when the proper special effects heavy trailer that's made to wow people is still probably months away. Despite Ryan Reynolds suggesting approval for the Deadpool trailer leak, this was just a case of bad timing, as 20th Century Fox is apparently releasing this same trailer to the public in a few weeks anyway. Movie studios have logistical, data research, and marketing strategies on why they release trailers when they do, and this Comic-Con leak kinda just threw a monkey wrench to those plans. There are now two likely scenarios that will occur because of this. One, movie studios will simply only show footage at Comic-Con that is already deemed ready for public consumption. We've already been seeing this trend with TV shows like The Walking Dead that releases their trailers on the internet immediately right after, or sometimes during, the Comic-Con panel. Star Wars The Force Awakens did the same exact strategy during Comic-Con without behind-the-scenes footage. And heck, even Warner Brothers themselves thought it was a great idea for the newest Batman vs Superman trailer. The second scenario is that the movie studios are no longer going to show exclusive early footage anymore during Comic-Con. Never before seen design photos will likely still show up. Behind the scenes outtakes might still make appearances. Montage sequences celebrating what has already come before, sure. Tape footage from actors or directors greeting Comic-Con attendees, of course but never-before-seen early trailer footage made specifically for just the Comic-Con audience, yeah, that's probably going to go away. There's already precedent for this, and it actually involves Warner Brothers. If I remember correctly, way back during Comic-Con 2006, 
Warner Brothers was not happy that Comic-Con was showing fan-created Batman trailers at the event. The following year, Warner Brothers had a panel for The Dark Knight. You know, that big movie. In that panel, Warner Brothers did not show a single footage for the movie. Everybody at Hall H was just waiting and waiting for something, but it never happened. Then the day after Comic-Con ended, Warner Brothers releases the trailer for The Dark Knight online. It was like a big F.U. to Comic-Con that Warner Brothers didn't bother to premiere the trailer at the event. Oh wait, there is a third scenario, the worst case scenario. A movie studio decides not to return to Comic-Con because they don't want to deal with the hassle. Some might even create their own event to market their upcoming projects, possibly only inviting the press or people they can control to behave about leaking things. Disney has already been doing a similar strategy as they have their own D23 convention to showcase their stuff. It'll be nice if things stay the same as they are, but don't be surprised next year if this is exactly how things play out. In all honesty, if you think about it, movie studios are only using Comic-Con for two things. Early publicity of upcoming projects to get some exposure and to get a sense of what the core target audience have to say about them. Think of it like the Cannes or Sundance film festivals where only the target audience really care what happens there. Studios are looking for Comic-Con attendees to do some word-of-mouth guerrilla marketing, but the excitement that comes from Comic-Con can no longer determine whether their movies will be a success or not in the real world anyway, as proven by Snakes on a Plane, which deserved to fail at the box office, or Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which did not deserve to fail at the box office. So if you think leaking early exclusive footage to the public may not have any negative consequences at all, well, you're not thinking hard enough. Thanks for listening. My name is Albert Patrick, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Albert5x5. You can send comments to whatworswhyatgmail.com, via social media, or through the website. Rate and subscribe to our shows on iTunes. Check out our merchandise store, and further support us via Patreon. Music has been provided by the Y-Axis. Find them at theyaxis.bandcamp.com. Until next time, this has been an episode of Movies, Movies, and Movies, which is part of the whowhatworswhy.com network. <laughs>